Caution. Learning in progress. Hello and welcome into Smarter Every Season, the podcast that is brought to you by the product support team here at Precision Planning and aims to make our listeners smarter every season. And to be candid, we like to learn ourselves here too, uh, the group of hosts here that typically come to you. So we have been working our way through a planter maintenance series here on the podcast. We had told you originally that it would be eight episodes. We're still sticking to that. And we are up to episode number five, and we are going to cover seed meters and metering drive systems. And I have with me Hans Stutzman. Hello, Tyler. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good, good. And to my left is Paul Harms. Good morning. Hey, Paul. All right, gentlemen. Let's start with seed meters, and the reason I want to start here is this is kind of the value statement of what we're about to talk through, and we do want to spend some time kind of highlighting just a few weeks ago, we were blessed with the presence of Brian Jackson here in the studio, and he did a really awesome job kind of unpacking the importance of, of running seed meters, what our meter max test stand can do, things of that nature. So if one of you two would jump in and help me out, what is the value of the metering system. What's what's the why behind this conversation? Yeah, going back to the why that we wanted to focus on with planner maintenance, not the not the how and the tactical, but what really drives or puts the puts the purpose behind what we're doing. For me, when we talk about controlling our seeding application on the planter, you've got two primary components or portions to that process. One is the actual device doing the metering. So that's your seed meter, whether that be a, a mechanical meter like a finger meter. Uh, any type of vacuum or air pressure, those are what's picking up one seed and hopefully releasing it down the seed tube one at a time. The other half of that is what causes that rotation to occur because all meters on the market that I'm aware of today, not talking about seed, air seeders or drills, but any individually metered seed happens on a rotational rotary spin of a meter, one side you have a seed pool at the bottom, and that's spinning some disc or finger set. It's grabbing one of those seeds and delivering it to the other side of the rotation. So if I've got my meter as one portion of the process, the other portion of the process is what causes that rotation. I need that rotation to be smooth and even. So we'll go into the drive system second. Let's first touch on the, the meter. What is what is that metering really causing for me on an agronomic number? So Hans, jump in here. Uh, I mean... We talk a lot about skips and multiples on this scenario, and those are just your singulation details is what we're generally talking about when we start talking about the meter performance and how that affects the agronomy because we know that a missing plant or a missing uh, ear is going to cost us a roughly 0.8 of an ear. If you have a double, that's a 0.4 of an ear. So let me jump in there because I think the first time you hear that, that kind of sounds like, uh, how does that make sense? Why is a skip cost me 0.8 and a double 0.4? Can you explain that a little bit? What if I have a skip, it costs me 0.8 or 80% of ear potential? So in the context there, talking about a skip of an ear, some of the reasons the skip itself is costing more is because we're the plant may still be there, but because of where it's located at and how it's there, um, it's not going to actually produce an ear, but the plant is still pulling resources away from the other plants. So the two plants on average on either side are going to put on a little bit bigger ear because there's not competition six inches away from the plant that got skipped. Correct. Okay. Yeah, your mindset here is taking if I am targeting 36,000 plants per acre, I want 36,000 harvestable ears of uniform size and shape. 
And if I take that average number and I pull one of those out, and now I only have 35 in my one one thousandths of a, an acre harvest check or hectare check, and I pull one of those out, the, the two plants on either side are going to have slightly larger ears because of less competition to them. I think the technical term is they flex a bit, right? Normally, yeah. Okay. So that's a that's a value that's, you know, you lost a big portion, a whole ear, because you we skipped. We didn't put a seed there. That plant didn't grow. That's a cost. But we're going to negate a little bit of that loss from the seeds on either, or the plants on either side of it, trying to make up a little bit or take more advantage out of that, more sunlight, more moisture, more nutrients. So we do discount that down to an 80% or a 0.8 year loss for each skip. The double, while you would think, well, hey, I have another ear, it's it's less of a loss, but it is still a loss because now you've actually increased competition unless you have something extremely favorable show up with weather or nutrients or sunlight that we don't want to account for, you've probably still overall reduced your total harvestable ear amount. And that's the reason is because you're putting a double puts two ears in the same location. It's not just a higher population. It's a actual, you're putting two yeah. ears in the same soil. Pulling from the same nutrients. They're both going to put an ear on. Yeah, generally they should still put an ear on. Yeah, and it's also that you could have better utilized that seed. Instead of having two seeds competing right on top of each other, you could have better utilized that second seed, if you will, somewhere else, spaced whatever, five or six inches apart. If you would have evenly spaced that um, same amount of seed, you wouldn't wouldn't have even less of a cost to it if you had even even spacing on it. But generally when you see a meter performance double – that puts two ears, two plants, two seeds side by side. And he makes an, a very interesting point there. When, when he's talking about a meter impact to seeding performance, if it's the meter, it's almost always singulation related. It's the, a failed action in picking up one seed and dropping one seed in relation to its neighbor. So our, our faults are almost always singulation related within the meter. There are a few instances, but they're fewer and farther between where spacing is affected or, or impacted out of the meter most of the time. Almost always, if we have a bad singulation, it's occurring within the meter. And the standard cost, you know, it's kind of hard to take that 0.8 of an ear and 0.4 of an ear and do some, some in-the-cab decision-making with that mindset. So what we usually try to frame it as for each percent of singulation performance that you drop. So if I go from 98% singulation to 97% singulation, 1 1% drop, that's going to that's going to impact my my yield potential by about 1% as well. And that 1% relative to what your potential yield, yield is. So if I'm, yeah, so if I'm in a 150 bushel an acre yield environment and I drop a percent in my singulation, I'm going to, that the, the yield impact is probably going to be around that one and a half bushels. But if I'm in a 300 bushel yield environment or my common yields are going to be 300 bushels, well, that impact to population and competition, competition to my seeds is going to be a larger impact. So I can see that be a three bushel impact. All in all, what we're seeing across most of the Midwest here, we're relatively consistent around that 2.2 bushels is a general rule of thumb. It's a heuristic, but it's a general rule of thumb that, that's kind of helpful for easy in-the-seat math. Yeah. Hans, anything else to add to meters? Um, we're talking simulation. There are a few things in, in spacing as well, but the agronomy hit 
it kind of all starts in the meter. Everything else we do is prepping the the rest of the row unit is prepping for the performance of the meter, whether that's the opening system, the closing system, gauge wheel, depth, downforce, all of those things are setting everything up. They're setting the meter up for success. And if you fail to get the meter fine-tuned and maintenance done on the meter, you are basically sabotaging the rest of the system as well. So just a, a plug to make sure that the, the agronomy aspect is, is there for the metering maintenance. Which is why we focus so hard on giving a test stand to our dealers, putting a dealership in the position where they can provide that good service and, and ensure a customer gets their meters timed and performing correctly for their seed that they're going to plant this year. That way, when they go to the field, they know that one piece has been tested and validated, and it's going to do its job correctly on the singulation side. Now I just need to make sure that I configure and and adjust my planner for my field this year. Yeah, you make a good point too there, Hans, of it doesn't matter the maintenance or the performance of anything else on the row unit if there's not a seed there. It doesn't matter. Right? That's the whole well, that's goal. That's the whole, whole goal. Yeah. So, And, it, I mean, you talked about we spent with Brian Jackson. I encourage you to go back and listen to the, that episode because that was really good about why and what maintenance to look for within the finger meter. So, yeah. So. Agreed. So, Paul, you had started to talk a little bit too about when we have singulation errors, that's typically something within meter performance. But when we start to see spacing, or we often talk about SRI, which uh, those are a direct correlation, that's typically in the drive system. So let's move into the drive system if we're ready. And I think there are three primary forms of seeding drive systems, right? So we have mechanical, hydraulic, and electrical. Am I missing anything there? I think that's the list that I've got as far as the different types of drive, something that can be driven on the on the system. Um, mechanical, though, well, mechanical often equates to ground system, ground drive ground system. Ground drive, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would, I would interpret those as I have a ground-driven, what's driving or creating the impetus force to my, to my system is I have a ground-driven system, uh, something that has a tire on the ground that's moving with the implement as it goes through the soil, goes through the field. It's turning and causing the rotation that I then just have to transmit to each meter. So start there with a ground-drive system and the contact tire. Mm-hmm. What do we need to know, or what what should guys be cautious about with a with a contact tire? Anything that you guys have come across from a maintenance standpoint that we can pass on on that contact tire? Yeah, so like I said, each meter is a road rotational device, right? It's spinning, and I know the diameter, and I know how many seeds are going to go with each revolution of that. So when I try to figure out and maintain my target number of seeds per acre, we talked with Corey and Aaron about population density, and we did a great job on understanding how to push and, and maximize some of those functionalities. But I need to I need to spin that meter at the right speed. Well, on a ground contact, on a ground-driven system, I have a tire that's rolling along the ground, and it's causing that mechanical rotation that I then need to transmit all the way through the system until I get it to the meter, and I need those to be in the correct relationship. I need a mechanical advantage or a, a gear ratio, to remain consistent and accurate across that whole system. So if I have a contact tire that goes too low in pressure, and now I've effectively made that wheel more pliable and it, and it's a lower diameter because of uh, I'm deflecting the rubber on it instead of rolling it, now I've got a smaller diameter wheel. It's like having a smaller diameter gear, and now I have a, a change in my gear ratio that's being impacted to my my meters. I can see the same thing. I can have a fully inflated tire that because of side slope, hills, terrain, tillage, 
something. I can have wheel slip show up, and now that wheel just isn't turning often enough. Good old residue in the middle of the furrow. Yep. It's so, exactly what it is. For a lot of times you'll see that where residue piles up in the center, yeah. and then you run it with a, the wheel slips because the residue slides rather than rolling on on firm dirt. Yeah, so we get... We get a change in that in that RPM that I need to transmit through all of the chains, the bearings, the shafts. So a lot of connected components, and the whole focus is I need to be able to transmit rotation that's started by a tire rolling on the ground to the meter where that disc or finger set is spinning inside it. Anything that interrupts, interjects, causes variation is going to, in the end, change and vary the rotation of my meter. If I change and vary the rotation of my meter, now that means every seed that I'm supposed to be releasing like hands on a clock, I'm getting a 75-minute hour and then a 30-minute hour. And <laughs> so we need that to be as very consistent as possible. So, Paul, you made a good, you, made, you laid it out really well, but the, the whole idea that we're talking about within the metering system, the, the metering drive system, is from origin in a ground contact wheel. It's the or ground drive system. It's the contact wheel all the way up through the chains, the bearings, the hex shafts, all the way to the meter. But that's also true whether it's a hydraulic drive system or whether it's an electric drive system. Wherever the origination is of the rotation from that point to the meter, that has to be checked. Yeah, that, is, that is a potential for creating errors. And to bring it back to the, to the root cause of the why, it's, you know, I'm trying to keep those seeds properly spaced. Right. I can have wide enough variation in my seed spacing or my seed release index, which is SRI you mentioned earlier, I can have that wide and very enough that the seeds will actually feel or they'll, they'll be placed close enough so the agronomic impact is like a double or a skip. So I have those same yield or harvestable ear impacts based off of just how varied or improperly I space my seeds. Meter did its job. It picked up one seed and it dropped it one at a time. But because the rotation was Busted altered, and steady. Yes, yeah. altered, messed up impacted some way now i get that that variation in seed spacing and that again comes between meter and the origin or, or the start path of that that rotation anything along there could happen whether it be a ground drive system which is all mechanical hydraulic yeah so on that idea on the hydraulic side i mean there's several things you can have the hydraulic side of it th- those also can create an issue with it There's a little bit of commonality between the hydraulic and the ground drive system because both of those are driving a chain, which is turning a hex shaft, which is turning another chain, which is turning the meter. From a practical standpoint, all you're doing with a hydraulic system versus mechanical is replacing that ground drive tire with a motor, with a hydraulic motor. Correct. Yep. And so the things that we talked about, we've alluded to, and we've kind of danced all around is the things that are creating that variation. And that's you're looking at your bearings. Uh, That's one of the first places to check and see what kind of bearings you got that are potentially worn or, or seized up or creating issues, your chains. Another big thing we talk about at Precision is chains on a, on a system. I think Doug Wiegand is, is famous for saying the best way to remove a chain is with a bolt cutter, and he wants to remove them every year. <laughs> and said it removes the temptation to put it back on again um, once, you, once you pull it off. So his, I mean, but the mindset is that we like to see a chain replaced fairly frequently because we see them create spacing issues once they start to get some wear and stretch to them. Now, so full safety warning here. This is not an actual recommendation. I'm just going to paint a picture. But if you want to feel, if you want to put yourself in the emotion of what it would feel like to be in that meter and have that weird rotation if we get a bad bearing or a contact tire that's off or whatever, if you're driving a rear-wheel drive vehicle, I encourage you to find a couple large washers, right? Some one-inch washers, two or three of them. 
and tape them to your drive shaft. Just tape them up, really, and just use some electrical tape and tape them to your drive shaft. Start off slowly at, you know, on a nice country road. Five to ten miles an hour probably doesn't feel that bad, right? You probably don't even notice it. I would bet by 45 miles per hour, you're well aware that something in the transmission, in the drive shaft, in the, in the, from, from engine creating rotation to wheels using rotation, there's something out of a line as you're trying to hold onto the steering wheel, right? There's a good mental image of we need all of that to be smooth and balanced and rotating uniformly. Otherwise, the tires can't stay on the road. We can't get that force and that rotation created consistently. Yeah, I mean, it's in your, It's a great example, Paul. I think it's a great example. So, yeah, I think it's it's important to get the chains and those bearings tight, keep everything smooth, smoothly moving so you're not cre- adding any variation to that meter or to that, the drive system. One thing that we also, to piggyback on top of that, is the drive shafts and drive couplers. Those are drive dogs, and we often will see this, especially on a new planner, where, where their folding, your hinge points are, your fold points are, those may not always be installed where they're perfectly square or lined up. Um, I've actually had drive shafts where like a, a Kinsey drive yoke was loose and was sliding back and forth and it was actually grinding a set screw against the, uh, the, the W plate. Yeah. Um, just creating a, a havoc on a, on the spacing of the system. So. so those are the, that's the spot where the uh, drive shafts, when you actually fold and unfold the planner, there's two tabs, if you will, or they're often referred to as dog ears that come together. And as the planner actually drives or as that shaft spins, they should be even or spinning together. But when they misalign, this is actually something for anybody who's listening who may have visited us in Pontiac in the last couple of years. We've actually shown this on one of the planners that we have out at, at the PTI farm. Uh, but it kind of creates like a loping effect. Yeah. And instead of spinning you go back in a to your, circle. Go back to Paul's clock face analogy. Yeah. It really creates a it creates almost a 90-minute clock an hour, and then it creates a 30-minute hour. Instead of a tight circle, you yep. get almost like an egg-shaped kind of path of travel. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So – both of those, like those, are great, exact, specific instances of of the what's and the, you know, the the hows, the of of the failure or the errors. If we do take it back to the why behind it, we want to make sure that both singulation and spacing, or accurate metering and delivery, are completed on this product on this on the seating. Right? So that's that's the actual metering device, which is the meter, the seed meter, with the seed pool, seed delivery to it, and then the drive system or whatever's spinning that meter. Anything along that path, if we're thinking mechanical or hydraulic, there's still a lot of drives, bearings, they share a lot of things. They have a different root source for the rotation, whether it be hydraulic power or rolling along the ground. Keep an eye on those, but we want to make sure that we clear those up ahead of time so we don't run into those seating, the singulation and spacing errors. The flip side, the one that we haven't touched base on or talked about yet is electrical. Still the same mindset. We need that meter rotation to remain smooth and consistent. That's the key part to focus on and the why behind it. Now, there's a whole lot less moving parts and components involved, which which is great, right? That means there are fewer any, there's fewer individual items that can cause a failure. But that means each one has to have a greater confidence or a less likelihood of failure because you're relying more on it, right? It's not distributed over multiple pieces. So power, easy, good, solid access to power and ground are the two key things with any electrical system. I need all of that to be clean and straightforward. I guess outside of that. um, Make sure your gear, almost all of the electrical systems have a gear that's driving between the meter housing and, and the 
motor itself. There's there's a gearbox. Almost all of us have a gearbox of some kind. And so making sure all your gear is looking in good shape. And there are a few that do have a drive shaft or a pulley or a belt of, and on there. Again, those, those few pieces, making sure that's correct. But then your voltage and your, your electrical system, make sure that's good and up to running. Yeah, it's pretty simple as far as electrical system goes. The the one thing on hydraulics, and back up just a second on the hydraulics, you kind of have the same theory with hydraulics. We've talked power, electrical power to the uh, electric meter. You also make sure, want to double check your supply pressure to your hydraulic motor um, and your speed sensor as well to make sure that those are operating correctly. But otherwise, that that's that's the large gist of the uh, electrical side of it and the power generation side of it. Gentlemen, any other notes that we need to make to seed meters and meter drive systems? I would reiterate the value of making sure that the the metering system is prepared ahead of time so I have one less urgent need to focus on all my singulation. I can I can validate and test and run those with the aid of a dealer uh, with a test stand and I can get that accurate performance with a high degree of confidence before I go into the field. I can do as much preliminary prep on or maintenance on the drive systems but some of those systems, a ground drive is a great example, I cannot fully vet and test until I'm in the field and, t- and running. So as much of that pre-work and being proactive as possible, I like to try and encourage as much as possible. Yeah, and I'm sure Brian Jackson probably touched on that a little bit in the meter session. But yeah, to your point, anybody who's set a planner up or ran a planner the first day in the field, think about everything that you have going on. It's kind of like there's some muscle memory involved, but it's kind of like relearning how to ride a bike, right? It's <laughs> been 10, 11 months since we were back in that planter tractor pulling a, a planter. So anything to your point, Paul, that I can do ahead of time so that that first day goes smooth because my attention is pulled in, in so many directions is going to add value, right? Turn the radio off that first time so, we're, so we can find the street number we're looking for. Yeah. Not my wife does that, but I do that, yes. But it's yeah, it's me. the same concept. There's so many distractions when you first get full unfold the planner in the field for the first time. Just being able to check off several things are saying, yeah, this works, this works, this works. We don't have to worry about that. It's eliminating that headaches on the first day. Yep. Yeah. That's that's all I got. Well, very good, gentlemen. I think that will put a bow on this episode. Join us next time where we're going to start to get into downforce and depth stop calibrations. Until then, for Paul Harms, Hans Stutzman, I'm Tyler Hubert signing off.